You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and my friend, Arthur Parkinson. And really today, it's a subject that Arthur particularly wanted to talk about because it's low maintenance, cheap and easy pots and containers, which now, you know, we're in August. And so we're starting to look at the autumn and some of your summer bedding will be looking a bit tired, maybe. So what are the things that are really quick, easy and cheap that you can do now to give all your pots a bit of a refresh and to carry on cheering you up through the autumn into the winter and then of course we've got spring coming with the tulips but what is it that we can be doing now that will keep us going until that moment? So Arthur, what are your ideas for that? Well I want I wanted us to do this episode because um just last week, actually, I was cutting back all my violas, which are in quite big tin baths. Mm. Um, and I cut them back. And I just thought, I really haven't got the energy now to tip the whole pot out and start again. And it's too late to plant dahlias. So um, I just went through my seed tin and um, there was Sweeties mix that mm. you're there keen on. Mm. And it was Lineary. just so, yeah. And it was just so refreshing to just know I could sprinkle this like salt and pepper mm. over this disturbed compost, which isn't, you know, it's not fresh compost. It's going to be quite poor compost, but thinking that that is going to flower in the months to come mm. and, you know, kind of zero effort. And then about two weeks ago, I was back in Nottingham. I was walking to my dad's from my mum's and, um, there's quite a lot of little jitties and little green patches and there's this one planter which I call the coffin planter it says welcome talking on it and it's completely forgotten about by the council despite it being on the corner of a road and so for two years now I've sprinkled seed on it so um I did exactly the same thing I went through my mum's tin of seed oh. and got out all the what looked to me like old packets of calendula and nasturtium and just chucked them you know I just took a trowel with me in my back pocket roughed up the soil sprinkled these packets on and my mum literally yesterday sent me photos oh. of them germinating. So yeah, I just thought we'd do this episode to just talk about the really easy, literally chuck them, whether you know you've got five minutes or going to spend the whole day in the garden. You know, if you literally just want to have a party chucking seeds around, yeah. as long as the compost is disturbed and you're willing to water it to get it established, that you're really easy things. But you know, it's it's the kind of thing that whether you're a child or someone who's never gardened before is it will just get you into gardening and it's amazing the glamazons isn't it that like to just be direct sown so all your opium poppies mm. um you posted on instagram yesterday a, a photo of i don't think it's called perchill poppy is it but the poppy that was there when you moved in mm. and so for the past you know 25 years it's yeah. self-sown itself yeah. hasn't it yeah just by having a bit of freedom yeah um, yeah that's such so, a good idea yeah. some opium poppies just chuck them in there. Yeah, just chuck, you know, just scattergun them because yeah. I used to be, you know, like you, you, we've both changed, haven't we, in our gardening habits. It's less about treating it like Chelsea Flower Show as soon as the tulips are gone. It's more about letting things die back a little bit because you want to keep those bulbs going. And yeah. and so it's not always a case of, you know, getting the world by chucking all your pots out as soon yeah. as the petals of that show's fallen. It's letting things die down a bit more for the sake of the insects and just enjoy the garden, I think. I think that's my style now going forward. I'm going to try and 
just chill out a bit, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. it's very easy to get, oh my God, you know, we've got to get everything out now. And so, mm-hmm. but what that does mean is you're, you can only sprinkle now seeds that are going to get going mm. to flower before it gets cold or things that, you know, put on their vegetative growth and will then flower next spring. Yeah, biannuals, That's, that's yeah. where your favourite biannuals come in and yeah. also your hardy annuals. Yeah. So tell me about Cynthia and, you know, yeah. calendulas that you love. Yeah, well, I, I, I've just been, as you're talking, I've just been writing down on a sheet of paper the things that it made me think of. And Cynthia was absolutely um, up there mm. because th- what, what I've realised is that I want to start the year early. And so I really start thinking about pot toppers and stuff that look lovely from February because I find February such a difficult month. Yeah. It's at the end of a long winter. I definitely have a touch of needing light and I really struggle in February. It's, it's the most difficult month. It's actually the month I was born in, but it's the most difficult month for me. But similarly, I also think the autumn with new stuff coming is really, it's just so enhanced by it. And so, whereas I, I've always done Cerinthi for February, March and April, I've now started doing Cerinthi for September, October, November because it's hardy. Mm. So, it will survive a frost in February, March and April, but it'll also survive a frost in October, November into December. And so by sowing things like Cerinthi now, you could just do it straight, direct into the pot you've got. Probably my pots are all a bit full with cosmos and things. So I think I will sow it with us in the polytunnel. But if I was in a city, I would just sow it on a window ledge in a little pot, one seed to a little nine centimetre pot it'll germinate and I'll get that out once it's got it's true one or two pairs of true leaves which are these sort of big elephant ear silvery kind of round things like elephant's <laughs> ears um, and then I'll put them out you know as soon as it's ready in the first week of September or whatever and that will just look so nice all the way through until a really hard frost around Christmas time and similarly I really was thinking as you were talking, I'm going to be doing Californian poppies as well mm. as the open poppies because those two are the record holders along with the Linaria, which you mentioned at the beginning, the toad flax, Linaria, Sweeties Mix. But Linaria, Cerinthi and the Ascholtsias are the record holders in our trials at Perch Hill of going from seed to flower um, most quickly. And all those are hardy annuals. So they really will take the autumn cold uh, as well as the spring cold. And I love your idea of the flamboyant opium poppies. I think that's a, another real cracker. And then what, what about a few uh, perennials, Arthur, that will last forever? Can you? Are, are there any that you would just scatter seeds straight into the top? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's a funny one, isn't it? You know, I, I see lupins every time I go home along the railway. Mm. And I know this year you've been played by lupin aphid. So whether that's variety or, you know, circumstances, but, you know, a lot of big seeded perennials will love to be direct sown, won't they? And yeah. something like a lupin, as long as the slugs don't get it. Yeah. And if it's sprinkled into a pot, there's less chance of that. They will very happily germinate, especially with the autumn damp mornings coming, which yeah. will help with germination. And they'll grow really happily. I mean, by, yeah, next spring. Next, ne- for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of oriental poppies, the seed is tiny. I, I've never yeah. had any success, to be honest, with germinating them in a seed tray. But I know in, in my grandma's garden, where the heads just go to, you know, shaky, dry town, they've self-seeded and cross-pollinated. And Have they? they the just, Orientals? Yeah, they just love it. 
because so I always thought you propagated those from root, from root cuttings. cuttings. Yeah, I mean, no. you don't notice them, and then suddenly there's another clump, and it's like there's no oh. way I've planted that, and no. no one's gone and divided it. You know, and echinops are very good to grow from seed too, aren't they? Yeah. There's something you've you've always had in the yeah. catalogue. Yeah, but I think the the biennials are more, the the better group, if anything, to be honest for quicker yeah you know they will flower next year like the perennials but you'll get much more bang for your buck yeah and foxgloves to me seem to adore being scattered yes and they're the kind of thing that if they land in a crack in your paving up they'll come same with honesty yeah. um you know we've spoken about perennials so we won't go on too much about them but um yeah there seems to be something that seeds like about having you know the freedom to just land where they want to and, and get going and the mullins as well there's that wonderful babascan mullin yes. that does look like a, a silver elephant isn't yes. it yes that will be very happy in your your paving. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I I think um, again, when you're visiting gardens, it's I I always really love looking around the edges, and on paths and walls and things because anything that's living in those rather harsh environments with very little or no soil at all, if it's in a kind of brick or a concrete path or whatever it is, and it's still thriving, then it's going to really be good and durable in a pot. And the classic example, of course, is Erigeron, Kavinsky anus, isn't it? And we um, sowed one packet of Erigeron, I don't know, maybe five years ago. And then I put little plugs as they germinated. I just shoved little, literally one seedling in, in cracks all the way through the garden. And now the whole of the areas that people don't really walk so much in the paths are just studded with a carpet of daisies. So that is a beautiful thing, but they're also perfect for scattering in the top of a pot. So be really stingy, as I always say with seed, think of your seed like gold dust. And with the Ridgeron, you literally just want, I don't know, in a in a little sort of, let's say, 20 centimetre pot, whether it be zinc or terracotta or whatever, you only want, you know, five or six seedlings of Ridgeron in, in something like that. And then literally just leave it Try and forget about it, water it occasionally, and within six to eight weeks, you will see, first of all, little seedlings, and then it will be covered in daisy flowers. And they often flower until November, and then you can just neaten it up a bit in the winter, and then up it'll come again. So that's a perennial one. So Ridgeron Kavinskianus, I think, is a, is a bit of a cracker. I love all the cornflowers as well, and you often see them in all kinds of places lately, motorway verges yes. and all sorts. I mean, Blue Boy is the the classic blue, isn't it? But there's also yeah. Black Ball, which is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And that, just like you described the Cerinthi, if you sow that, you know, it might even flower before it gets cold, but it should then overwinter itself and it'll be a huge plant, won't it? Yeah. And that's just, you know, that and Cerinthi, both fantastic cut flowers, good for pollinators, very drought tolerant. They'll be happy in small pots, window boxes. Yeah, and yeah. don't think it's too late. I mean, I think that's kind of what we're saying, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, people get worried. Yeah, and calendulas, you know, whether it's Sunset Buff or the one you like, Neon, which has got mm. so many petals, or Indian Prince, or, you know, whether you want bright or, or, or sort of calm colours, all these things, it's still a really, really good moment to sow seeds and plant out seedlings. And, yeah, hardy annuals all the way. And as you say, biennials and a few perennials. So the the sweeties mix of the Lenarias is the one I remember and the one I remember seeing at Perch Hill for, for years on end looking beautiful. It reminds me of marzipan and hundreds and thousands. It's a yeah. real childhood birthday cake delight of a colour mix, isn't it? But what I've sown this year, which I'm excited about, is you've managed to find them 
in more Venetian colours, which we both love. There's a red one and a, a lilac one. And I've sewn both of those together as a mix, mm. just direct sewn them. But um, are there any others that have been bred to be more true colours than a mix? Well, there, there are two perennials that we've been trialling at Perch Hill this year, again, in the same Toad Facts family. And the reason I love them and the reason I got into them is when you're driving down the motorway, even right into the autumn, like October, November time, there are very, very few wildflowers on the sidings, but there is still yellow toad flax. And that's what made me think. It's always when I see something in nature that's doing so well, and either in an unusual place or an unusual time. And that's when I, I started experimenting with the line areas. And so these two, not at all new ones, <laughs> one is just simply Linaria purpurea, which is the purple spire, which gets up to about two meters. It's like really good and tall. And then there's another one, which is the pink, and it's called Canon Went. And there's a really fantastic nursery woman called Derry Watkins, who's got the most beautiful, beautiful nursery just outside Bath. And I saw, a, I think, an Instagram from her the other day. And it's called Special Plants, her nursery. It's just brilliant. Uh, and actually, we should get her on the podcast. She'd be fantastic. But anyway, but, but she said that she calls Linaria Canon Went, came and went, which is such a good way of remembering it because it's one of those perennials that you can grow from seed and it'll pop up here this year, but it'll then pop up somewhere completely different the following year. And it comes and, and then... It came and then it went. And I love that. And I'm going to remember that forevermore. But yeah, I think those two are things that I'm going to definitely collect seed off carefully from our plants this year and sow straight away again. And the other thing that you were just mentioning to me was hollyhocks. So what yes. about them? Yeah, I've just noticed they come into flower. And they're one of those things that to me seem to be far happier if they've been scattered along a driveway rather than nurtured and mollycoddled or mulched and messed about with. So, you know, if you're visiting a friend, each spire, huge spire will, will once it's finished flowering, produce these like uh, little walnut seed heads and there'll be easily at least a hundred little flat seeds in each. Yes. So, um, beg, borrow possibly steel if you're feeling in the mood, um, hollyhock seed of, of colours you like. And um, if you scatter them during the summer onto disturbed soil again, some at least will find their way. And next year though they might flower, uh, but certainly in years to come, they get bigger and better. I don't know whether it's it's the fume from cars that make them look much healthier on roadsides. I don't know. Yes. But I never see rusty, no. poorly hollyhocks, hollyhocks. In urban situations, if anything, I see them looking rusty and poorly in herbaceous borders. Yeah, when they've been yeah. overfed. Yeah. I completely mm. agree. That, you know, the meaner the ground, yeah. the better. Like a building site That's is where you want to grow isn't hollyhocks. It? So interesting. Because I think they just, you know, without the nitrogen, they don't put on all that leaf, which then, yeah. as you could say, gets covered in rust and um, and looks pretty dreadful. Mm. And um, my sister-in-law has it um, around it. She bought a house that already had a tennis court and they don't pay tennis on it very much, actually. But the wonderful thing about it is that all the way around the edge, it's just this grove, this forest of hollyhocks. She does nothing to them and they look absolutely mm. spectacular. And they're classic, again, for lining paths in churchyards, aren't they? Again, yeah. you know, they're not looked after, they're not mollycoddled and they look so yeah. much better. Yeah. So, yeah, I think sowing hollyhocks would be mm. another lovely thing. And um, they're a temperamental cut flab. If you sear them, sometimes they last, sometimes they don't. They're one of the few things that just seems to be a bit temperamental. Mm. Anyway, 
Well, that was lovely to talk about and, and good, cheap, simple, easy. You know, that is really good to remember gardening can be like that sometimes. Thanks for listening to that episode of Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange. Next week, myself and Sarah are going to be flicking through the delights of our autumn range of bulbs, perennials, barret roses and wonderful plants to make sure the garden next year and especially next spring is full of glamour and beautiful flowers. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahoven.com.